We look at people and they're burnout, they're stressed, they're having issues at home, maybe they're having financial problems, and we're wondering why they aren't showing up for work. As organizations, we've lost so much time and money trying to solve it with other things not really actually taking care of the person. Instead, let's take a people-first approach, maximize the resources available to us with the data and all of those types of things. We truly create a great place for people to work. That's what people want. Welcome to the Navigate People First podcast. Thank you all for joining us and continue to subscribe and like our podcast if we are bringing you value. Jeremy and I are back in the studio and it's pretty exciting. Um, our first episode of 2024. Um, we all hope you had a wonderful holiday season um, and New Year's. As we kick off our 2024, um, we hope that you had a little time to relax, recharge, and uh, focus on the people and things that bring you joy. For this first episode of the new year, we are so excited to be joined by our other two members of the Navigate Executive Team, Chrissy Smith and Jim Barkley. Chrissy Smith is our Vice President of Growth and Jim Barkley is our Vice President of Operations. On this episode, we're gonna take a quick look back at 2023 and then focus on insights and trends that we're seeing in HR, health and well-being for 2024. So Chrissy and Jim, welcome to the podcast. This is your first podcast, welcome. Woo! Awesome to have you here. Super excited. Thanks right. for having us. <laughs> Fantastic. So Chrissy, let's start as Vice President of Growth. For those folks who are just, you know, meeting you for the first time, give a little bit of background, um, your experience, uh, your work at Navigate, and this kind of maybe, maybe your day-to-day. -day. Yes. Thanks, Troy. I have been working in HR, people, and culture for more than 25 years in a variety of industries and different size organizations. So small organizations to very large organizations really have been very passionate throughout my career about helping organizations build people strategies that drive business results and business success. And I love being at Navigate because this is really what we're all about, but also about helping other companies be able to do that as well. So I've been with Navigate for two years now and just really love my role leading the sales, marketing, and people and culture team. Um, and she's really good at it. I've talked about this a lot at Navigate. Navigate is an orchestra. It's not a solo act. And like the connection that we have as executive team and to our staff is something that we really love and something that we we strive to do good for other people every single day, connecting people to what matters. Jim, I've known you since you were 18 years old. Chrissy's got 25 years. I did some quick math. We have over 100 years of health and well-being and engagement at this table right now. We're old. It's a, a hundy. <laughs> Seasoned, I just feel old now. We're seasoned, seasoned veterans. veterans. It yeah. actually we're makes seasoned me feel young. veterans. Oh, good. Seasoned veterans. Seasoned veterans. Yeah. Jim, give the give the uh, the audience maybe a little bit bit of background and yeah, what you do at Navigate. Uh, yeah, same thing. Excited to be here. Um, this will be a lot of fun. I think to have this conversation as we have a lot of really awesome conversations at Navigate. Uh, but yeah, as, as vice president of operations at Navigate, uh, my journey started about eight years ago, which actually was employee number ten, if my math is right. So being able to see where our organization has gone, come from, and where we continue to go has been a really, really cool thing to be a part of uh, that journey that we're on. And I get the opportunity to lead our client operations team. So I'm working with our client services, which is our account management team interfacing with our customers on a direct one-to-one -one basis. I work with our implementation teams who really that first integral 90 days of getting a program up and going, kind of the strategy builds, and then our enforced customer service teams, the folks that are on the phone saying, how can I help you get into the platform? Yes, you forgot your password. Let me help you. Uh, so really being able to shape the direction and strategies of where we go with our program operations, but also our program strategy and really being able to live the do good things is what my teams are all about, but really our collective team here at Navigate. So again, over those eight years, it's been super awesome to be a part of that. 2023 was a pinnacle year for Navigate you know, largest sales, new sales volume in the history of our company, highest retention rate, nearly 100% um, retention clients and, and revenue there. Those are, you know, some things that obviously we're, we're measured upon on, on our company. But I'd say too, when it comes to the trends and what we saw in 2023, you know, we're blessed to be able to work with over 300 HR folks throughout the country. And we, we learn a lot from them. And that's part of the, um, the focus of, of that experience that we have. But 
Jay, when you think about like the top trends in Navigate, we saw in 2023, the, the personalization, HR focusing on recruiting, um, providing that great employee experience. Give us some insight on what your thoughts are when it comes to what you saw in 2023. To me, the message that I'd like to say there is personalization. I think the industry and our clients and our participants are clamoring for an experience that is tailored to them. So when I think about where we've gone in the past couple of years and where we're going to continue to go, it's about building a personalized experience for the people that we rely on, the people that ultimately we're there to help someone in their well-being journey. And that's going to be all over the place. It could be something super clinical and it could be about a, a medical diagnosis. It could be they just want to get a little healthier. They want to get more active or eat better. We like to talk about wellness or well-being in a holistic manner. That means we've got to be able to find where that person's sweet spot is. I got to know what's right for Jim. I got to know what's right for Troy. I got to know what's right for me. So when I see that and I see the content, the strategy, the programming, and the features and technology that we've been able to create, I'm excited that that promise of personalization is finally coming to fruition. Being able to drive people to resources that are just right for them. That's what gets me really excited. And I think 2023 finally has seen that come to fruition, that long promise that wellness and well-being have been talking about for a while now. Yeah. And you talk about personalization, and I think that when we talk about 2024, we're going to get into like the hyper-personalization, right? But like in 2023, we saw a lot of our HR folks add particular benefits. Mm -hmm. And Christy, when you, you were recruiting folks, our HR folks that we're working with every single day, one of their top, you know, obviously their top priority was recruiting for the last four years. You go right. through, you know, we read um, so many different surveys from our brokers, our consultants, bringing those all together. And if you look at those top HR priorities in 2023, you know, it was recruiting, um, it was building your brand as a company, it was the employee experience. As you looked at those benefits that folks are adding and that more personalization, Give us some insight on, you know, the reason for all these different benefits that we're adding within that experience of the employee experience side and recruiting. Yeah, well, and you are just so right on, Troy. I mean, um, the number one priority for HR leaders always is recruiting and retaining talent. And that is creating that experience that gets people to want to work for your organization and then stay. And benefits is a huge component of that. But to Jay's point, it is all about personalization, meeting people where they are. So as HR leaders, what we saw in 2023 is that real attention and detail to what are employees asking for in terms of benefits and how can we be creative and meet those needs. And that's not always just the in the box. Maybe somebody has their health benefits from their spouse or significant other. They don't need that. They may need something else. So how are you able as an organization to really maximize the dollars you've associated with benefits and be creative and flexible, meet people where they are, and truly make the benefits matter as a part of the equation? Because one thing we have always known in HR as well is people do leave companies based on things like fair compensation and benefits. It's not usually the number one driver, but benefits is definitely up there. And that's also a huge driver in employees' decisions when they select to work at an organization as well. So the closer we can become to be more personalized in our benefit offerings, the better it is. And we're seeing things like it's not even just traditional or standard or things you may be thinking about like PTO and the health benefits and even other types of benefits for leave and those types of things. But it's also how are you impacting my career? How are you supporting my training? How are you supporting my development? What opportunities do I have for growth? What are the opportunities I have to actually advance myself, my business acumen or my personal financial acumen, taking care of really the holistic person through your benefit offerings and being able to offer things that are very unique that say, maybe I'm extremely passionate about contributing to my community. So what types of benefits are you offering to employees to help them really fulfill that for themselves? One of the things I think that I, I kind of want to come back to is that developing organizational leaders, you know, that was within like, you know, let's say the top 10, that was like in, you know, maybe a six or seven, eight, you know, in 2023, you're seeing that rise up in the 2024 priorities for, for HR folks. And that's a top four priority of building the next generation of leaders. Absolutely. And, and I think one of the things that we saw too within health and well-being was enabling employees to prioritize their well-being. 
It is a trust factor. Mm -hmm. It's an empowerment factor. It's a joint accountability factor of saying, we want you to be healthy. We want you to be healthy mentally, physically, financially, career-wise as well. But giving the time and enabling them to spend the time in that space to do that, that was one area I thought that involving employees like we did in the decisions that we make to make sure that we are enabling them to do that. Chris, when we talk about recruiting as a number one priority, building your brand out into the ecosystem, but then also building your brand and prioritizing, you know, your culture and your mission, your values within once someone gets hired. Talk to me about that, about how are folks expanding those offerings and engaging that brand and building that within perhaps a well-being, within HR, across right. that board and recruiting. Well, just as I'm sure Jim will talk about at some point, the client experience, the employee experience is just as critical and really significant for any company's success. And so if you are not thinking about how you're treating your employees, how you're taking care of them, how you interact with them, how you create a culture of caring and make sure that there are opportunities within your organization for growth, but also that your culture and your organization promote psychological safety and really creating those opportunities opportunities for employees to thrive on their own, they are your best messenger, just like your clients are your best messenger as well. So when you're out and you're recruiting, it really helps to have people that are endorsing your organization as a great place to work all the time. And those are the things that you just cannot take for granted. You have to be very specific and pay specific attention to all the things. How do they feel when they come in? How do you make sure they belong? In a remote work environment, how do you make sure that they feel connected when they're not always together or meeting in the break room? How do you recreate some of those scenarios for them? But it's also just generally, too, when they have issues or concerns or questions about benefits, how are you responding? And then you touched on this before, but always, always, and it's never going to change. Employees don't leave companies, they leave their managers. So how are you investing in your leadership to make sure that they are making sure they're creating a great place for their employees to thrive? It's an aggregate approach. I, you know, we've been talking about an aggregate approach. Like, you know, we talk about technology, we talk about culture, we talk about, you know, the physical space that people are in, people coming back to the office, things like that but also that social and that relationship connection that you have. So all of those things kind of connect the dots to that engagement and that employee experience. I think we saw in 2023, and Jim, when, when you're working with clients, you're obviously working in different verticals, you know, healthcare, public and labor, manufacturing. When you've worked in this area, we saw some change in plan designs. We saw an emphasis in rewards and recognition, the flexibility of what we do, being able to bring that together in this kind of... Um, vendor world that we're in, there's vendor fatigue. We heard the word frictionless experience, employee experience. Talk to me a little bit about that as, as you're working with clients and renewing clients and, and bringing new ones on board. I think to kind of touch on a couple of themes that both Christy and Jeremy were, were mentioning, you know, building that program that has a sense of community or the belonging inside of an organization, specifically now that we're in this hybrid remote Companies are still trying to figure out their strategy around engaging with their employees. And again, where a well-being program can come in and both support but help create that sense of belonging is the fact of taking all of the information that they're asking for, looking for that personalization, being able to tailor our programs and a company's program that actually hits on the things that people are asking for. So building that collective call it inside community, which is your employee base, starts with providing a safe place of belonging, continues on with giving strong personalization to the needs of that employee. And we're seeing our companies and clients that we operate asking, how do we best do this? What are organizations that are doing above and beyond? Yeah. Yeah. How can we best serve, which is a really cool dialogue to see evolve from what has maybe traditionally or historically been just check the box, get your incentive to how do I drive people to the things that actually are going to create the help that people are asking for. And I think that's a a really not unique, but it's a a great thing to see companies evolve to, but also maybe the well-being industry evolve to. Which I love because that fosters trust. It fosters trust in leadership, my manager, what my company, you know, is doing for not just the employees, but the good of the community and, you know, why we exist as an organization. I want to go back a little bit to using data for good because in 2023, one of our main focus at Navigate was using data for good. 
looking at how we can connect the dots and really connect people to what matters to, you know, all the benefits that we're adding in HR to personalize things. How do we make it frictionless within the experience when it comes to certain tasks we want people to do? But Jay, when you think about like this human engagement that we're coming back into, it's a combination of like having this data, using it for good, tying it to holistic well-being, but then how does that drive productivity? How does that drive that employee experience and how we're using that data for good? One of the things we've, we've started seeing, and I think we'll see more in 2024, is taking data and trying to figure out the, like you said, using it for good, going back to data that we've had traditionally, but maybe hadn't had the opportunity to do. So nowadays we've got the opportunity to break down that data in ways that we never had in the past. So you look at things like biometrics, the sort of tried and true of, of the well-being space. You look at things like human interaction and are those successful? Those ideas that came up with 20 years ago, we now have the ability to, in real time, show that those are being effective tools. So we take this data that we have, tried and true methods from biometrics, human engagement, to new school things like social determinants of health data and uh, personality assessments and who knows what's next, right? We take all of that and that's what allows us to build that personal experience. And I'm not just talking about a platform, right? I'm not just talking about our app. I'm talking about the data that we deliver to the people that we serve. I'm talking about the HR professionals who we put in their hands quarterly, annually, monthly, whatever it is, information that allows them to make a better decision, information that allows them to know their population and what they need in a better way. And ultimately, that's really what we're here for. You know, we're here to help the participant directly by giving them tools and resources and information, but we also want that HR professional to be able to take that to the next step. There's only so far we can go. We don't work there, but we enable the people that do. So to me, using data for good is all about putting the information that allows you to make an actionable decision in the HR professional's hands, it's gonna help the population that they serve. I think to expand on that too, I think another thing that was cool in 23 that we did, because that was one of our priorities and initiatives to help drive that data to our clients was we could better help our clients define what good means. So not only just providing information for information's sake, but being able to provide to them clients like you of your size in your industry. Here's now you can better benchmark yourself against what success looks like and or actually help some of our clients define what success even is. We still have plenty of clients come to us that say, we're here with you because we need your help and we need your help in defining what good is or what success looks like. Data is a really great tool to be able to have that dialogue because it's not subjective. It's objective. We can go in and say, if we can do things like this, have these comparisons, put these programs in place we can now start to talk about what we can expect out of a program like this with a group like yours. Yeah. And the efficiency of that data, Huge. of being, having that data right at your fingertips to be able to, you know, adjust on the fly, be flexible of certain things, but having that data readily available to you at all times. Changes the conversation. It, it really does. It's like the years of kind of like setting a program and, and yeah. forgetting it, yep. it's gone. Like being able to be flexible on a monthly, quarterly basis, certain, you know, things that happen within an organization, being able to communicate in a second to this demographic or this particular region, being able to have that. I think for me is like we've created some space for the opportunity to even take it to, I think, a 2024 trend is that hyper personalization. Yeah. Jay, when I think about the data, I think about, Chrissy, the, all the additional benefits that we have. I think about change, right? Change is coming. Change mm -hmm. is going to happen. So can we be resilient about it? Can we prepare for that? But then how do we prepare ourselves to be able to this hyper-personalization to helping people learn and helping people engage in their own personality or their own community? When we think about that, where do you guys see, as we close the door on 2023, the recruiting the focus on employee engagement, that frictionless experience. We're starting to see some trends toward 2024. Chrissy, give me some you know, line of sight on maybe a couple of things you're seeing in 2024 inside the HR space and the people and culture side of things. Yeah, I think a couple of the things that are really coming to the forefront. One is how is AI going to fully integrate within HR and HR technology and making sure we have the right tech stacks. But I think a big part of the AI conversation for HR leaders really is more about upskilling 
and reskilling employees. And really looking at the opportunities that AI provides using data for good, having the data available that you need, and like you said, being very agile with it, to really be able to, um, maybe for the first time ever, even though we've always been trying to ensure we're maximizing productivity, creating high-performing organizations, but really be able to get employees working on the things that make the greatest impact for them. So using that technology and being able to use that AI to really drive those types of tasks and duties that really technology should be taking care of anyways, so that your employees are engaging more with your customers. They're thinking more about strategy. They're thinking more long-term about how can we do this better? How can we create a better experience for whomever our constituent is? And really using their training, their knowledge, their learning to be able to advance that. The other side that that really flips into is training in and of itself, making sure that as an organization, you are prepared to have very thorough and advanced, comprehensive training programs for your employees. And it doesn't need to be difficult anymore. I mean, there is so much technology out there that can really make it easy, even using virtual reality training or things like that. I love thinking about TikTok, which not everybody loves TikTok. But if you think of the concept of TikTok, I can't tell you, my daughter made a lasagna soup for us for Christmas <laughs> and she got the recipe on TikTok. Right. She watched it there. So think about it from that perspective. What can you do in small snippets that people have access to it immediately? So on-demand type training. So I'm working on something and I'm thinking, I know there's a way to do this better. I flip into our organization's learning database and I can automatically teach myself something new and make a greater impact. Yeah, no, I love it. And I think the collaboration of what well-being is and what safety is and what culture is and providing that technology for those vignettes of being able to get those out on a rapid basis. I think that adds back to, you know, that hyper-personalization, which is awesome. I think about that whole person focusing again we're expanding offerings within benefits. We're seeing this amongst our HR folks, right? It's not just physical health. It's just not mental health anymore. It's emotional health. It's social health. It's financial health. It's career health and well-being as well. And it's also reaching into family health as well. And so when we think about AI, and Jay, we could probably have a whole episode on this. We probably will probably, this yeah. year. <laughs> but like we think about AI, there's some exciting opportunities in AI. There's also a little bit of like kind of a wait and see where do you go on the AI side of things or where do you think some priorities are when it comes to on the HR uh, AI side of things? I think HR is interesting in that they've been in a large way at the forefront of adopting AI technologies, specifically because of their platforms have utilized that from a recruiting standpoint quite a bit. Correct. A lot of companies will get 500, 1,000 people applying for a job and you've got to have some way to filter through that. So they've been using you know, sort of rudimentary versions of that for a long time. So I, I applaud HR for doing that. I think there's a lot of potential, particularly in HR. I think we're still in its infancy, right? Everybody's seeing the potential of AI right now. And absolutely, it can do some amazing things. I think everybody's probably tried to use it in their work some sort of way, generative AI to maybe help them craft an email or come up with an agenda, that sort of thing. And I think that's absolutely a great use case for it. I think people are looking to HR to go, what do we do, right? Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of HR is saying, I'm not quite sure yet, what should we do? So if someone were to ask me, my, my response would be, learn, wait and see, see what's out there, read the news, read articles, read trade publications and see what's going on and just be open to new technologies, be open to new ideas. Cautious optimism, I think there's a lot of potential there. Yeah. I think that is exactly where I'm at, is just be open, think about it differently. So see how you can be innovative in HR. So you make a difference. Again, changing your experience within your organization. So you top talent want to work for you and stay mm -hmm. with you. But I also think another part to balance with that is also going to be making sure the employees that you have feel very confident and comfortable with the fact that AI is not going to replace humans altogether yeah. and that we need talent. We do need talent. So I think the other thing that it's going to help do, and again, infancy journey of this, but help continue to take well-being programs from being cute to being sophisticated, mm. right? As time goes on, the HR leader is going to continually look for ways to sophisticate their program, which goes right into personalization, right? Like being able to offer content to people that is meaningful, 
not just cute, not yeah. just fun. That data-driven support. Right. Actually yeah. drives. Right. Yeah. I, I think you make a great point, and I love the way you say it, go from cute to sophisticated. Yeah. And that's <laughs> the story of hyper-personalization. That's personalization versus hyper-personalization. Sure. Yeah. Because personalization now is, is algorithmic-based, right? It is if this, then this. Yeah. And that can be complex, and that can be can look sophisticated on the to the participant, and it can drive excellent results, and we've seen it drive results. But when I think about the future, I think about utilizing AI tools to hyper-personalize, mm -hmm. to take such a large data set that we have, not just you know old school stuff like biometrics and well-being surveys, but geographic data, social determinants of health data, personality assessment data, engagement surveys that you're doing, and collapse all that into one package for a participant to understand really what they are, and not in an if-then sort of way, in a We've got this large matrices of people and values and needs and something like AI can provide that. Yeah. And HR is continually and well-being rapidly transforming. We're adding different, I would say, pillars in the holistic side of well-being every single year. What I'm a little fearful of and, and maybe you're not really happy about is that, Chrissy, when you think about HR departments, not necessarily growing, but getting more and more influence inside the business strategy. Where do you see using data and delivering, you know, help in that area? Yeah, I mean, I think that's the thing is HR needs to be working smarter, not harder. And it's really about HR as the business partner to the organization and recognizing that value, but bringing other leaders into the fold. So in past, there's been, you know, a tendency for in or within organizations for other leaders to be like, well, HR takes care of that. But we all take care of the people within our organization. And what's going to be really instrumental in this is HR being at the table for the business decisions to, of course, help drive the people and the culture type priorities and strategies. But it's every leader, every person in the organization's responsibility to do that. So making sure that we're using the data so we have something that substantiates the work and the strategies and the priorities that we're doing, but we're really embracing the fact that when employees are well, then they are more productive. When employees are more productive, then companies thrive. And that should be everybody in the organization's priority. The ability for AI to potentially improve productivity seems to be the number one priority for HR as they're looking at the value set that AI brings. I love the AI side of things just because, you know, if you use data for good, you know, you're going to be able to be proactive in your support. Mm -hmm. You're going to be able to make some data-driven support tools and resources for your people. You're going to be able to do that in an efficient way. So Jim, we're into the first quarter for 2024. For the last, you know, three to four months, we've been visiting with our 300 plus HR folks. When you think about what they're prioritizing when it comes to engaging their employees, give us some insight in the plan design and what they're offering to employees for 2024. Yeah, I think, you know, a mainstay from an engagement point of view, there's always going to be that simple to complex type approach of just let's get people to the program. Let's get people knowing that there's things there. So there's obviously some simple ways to do that. A mainstay that we see continually is building relationships with doctors. How do you establish care, specifically from a health cost perspective or health care perspective, if you don't have that? Uh, we still continually see a lot of our programs and clients say, we want to incentivize the ability for people to go visit that doctor, build that relationship. Back to just personalization, we still see a lot of we have resources in our organization that people aren't aware of and utilizing the platform to get people aware, right? And bring those things to the forefront because there might be resources and opportunities for employees to better invest into their health, but they don't know the resource even exists in the organization that they're there to support. So pointing them into those directions and being able to have a platform that has the flexibility to create programs for each specific client and each, again, personalization, each independent employee's needs. We see those things continually being a mainstay in our programs and the asks of our clients. So that employee experience, you know, looking at that, it's like the balance of healthcare costs, offering the right benefits. And you kind of beat me to it as we looked at all of the 2024 surveys and trends from our broker consultants, number three is controlling costs. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that has raised up from, you know, it, 
it was always out there, but it was more of like the sixth or the fifth. Now it's right number three. Yep. When it comes to like, we collectively all bring this all data together and kind of say, you know, what are these trends? Controlling costs. Jay, when you think about this, balancing that competitive employee benefits and managing the financial burden of healthcare costs, where are you seeing that kind of rise back up into We've been in wellness for a while. Yeah. Like we're seeing that rise back up. And so connect the dots there for us. Well, that's to me, that's the most interesting thing we're seeing and probably continue to see is the reprioritization of things that have worked in the past that we maybe left because of cost cutting maneuvers or, you know, maybe we weren't getting the value out of them back in the day. Things like getting your biometrics in. In this case, the new version of that obviously is going to the doctor, although we are seeing more and more screenings come popping up again. People running outcomes-based health contingent programming. We're seeing more and more of that. But to me, one of the things that's most exciting for me is people focusing on health coaching again. And that health coaching has always been that human touch that can be very broad, right? And we talk about a holistic approach. There's nothing more holistic than a person, than someone that can talk you through whatever challenge you're running into, uh, whether it be nutrition or physical activity, or maybe even pointing you in the right direction when it comes to finances or your benefits, or your resources. You know, not to toot our own horn a little bit, but we rolled out our own coaching program uh, last year. We're already coaching people, and it allows us to take that holistic approach to bring back a human touch. We know it's going to drive value to our participants and to our clients because it has. It's done that for years. That's health coaching and services that take that to the next step: disease management, care management, and even those third-party vendors like you know the the diabetes management services or financial well-being services. All of those are services that are going to help the participant if we can get the participant there. That was always where it fell down in the past. How do we get people involved in coaching without paying them an incentive that is so big that it breaks the bank? So that's where hyper-personalization comes in. So to me, 24 is a combination of tried and true methods of holistic well-being blended with hyper-personalized focus that allows us to get participants two things that are going to matter and make a difference, not just in their lives, but from a cost standpoint and allows us to do it without killing ourselves operationally. It's like the human elements coming back into health and well-being again, right? It's like getting in front of our clients even more, which is just fantastic. It's getting with our managers and spending time even in a dispersed work environment and a multi-generational work environment. It's like, where are we specifically enabling ourselves to have connections with people and that connection to that PCP, that connection to building that relationship with your doc, being able to kind of expand that and then have that human touch of coaching. It's interesting how we are in an era of change. No matter what, it's like we're in an era of change. And so things are, they're coming back into play. We're expanding it. We're managing that engagement strategy. And it seems like the more that we can support with that human touch is coming back to that, which is a little bit refreshing. It really is. And I think especially at a time when we're talking, having these AI conversations. I was just going to say that. We're at the same time having a conversation about a human. But there's no reason that those two things can't work hand in hand to provide even better, more valuable services. Yeah, spot on. And listening too continues to be, you know, as I look at 2024 priorities, recruiting, providing great experience, controlling costs, um, developing those organizational leaders that enabling learning and development. I've been in this for a while, right? It's so wonderful to see well-being start to connect the dots when it comes to learning and development and mentoring and that development of the whole person. Christy, when you when you see that evolution, you know, you've been in HR for for many years. Does that give you good vibe? Does that give you like a refreshing, like, hey, we're inspiring humanity again. Like we're like, we're connecting and the dots and elevating humanity a little bit. It's like, finally. (laughs) I mean, honestly, how do you take a department that is totally dedicated to the success of humans and take the human out of them? And now with well-being and even the Surgeon General saying that well-being is a have to have, no longer a nice to have, which for those of us, we never thought it was a nice to have. But, but there were some people that needed convincing. Needed oh, sure. some convincing, yes. Yeah. But when you're in the workplace in particular, you know, we look at people and they're burnout, they're stressed, they're having issues at home, maybe they're having financial problems, and we're wondering why they aren't showing up for work or why they quit for various reasons. And really, it is a central connector to how an employee shows up at work is how their well-being is, their whole person well-being is, because it's not usually just one thing. It really crosses the magnitude of 
all of the pillars of well-being in terms of how people show up, if they're able to be productive. And as organizations, we've lost so much time and money trying to solve it with other things, like throw things at it that really are not tangible, not really actually taking care of the person which is what ultimately matters the most. And then we're surprised when people leave and then more people are stressed because they had to pick up their work or other things. Instead, let us start with well-being and have that be our primary focus so we can understand that when we meet people where they are, we take a people-first approach to our organization and our culture and our leadership, and then we maximize the resources available to us with the data and all of those types of things, we truly create a great place for people to work. And that's what people want. I want to show up. I want to be able to work. I want to be able to do my best. I want to know that my work is important. I want to make sure I'm making a difference. So that's also where the AI comes in because that technology helps you be able to do that. I mean, it it all is coming together now. So to get back to your question, I'm elated. (laughs) (laughs) And just to add that to it, you saw a lot of rewards and recognition come back into play too. And that personalization of reward and recognition to make it matter to the individual Jim, you spent a lot of time with the clients and you saw a lot of that reward and recognition engagement um, happen. Talk to me a little bit about that from 2023 and what you're seeing for 2024. Uh, Yeah, I think for at least the client base that that we're operating, I mean, again, we have a large portion of our book of business that from an incentive perspective, they're utilizing an online version of reward and recognition. So the opportunity of having a program that has a specific and unique incentive design and a program design for personalization, but also to align to a lot of the cultural things that an organization is trying to deliver on, their mission values. Like That's an awesome conversation to be able to have too, to, to build that. You're seeing people say, I still need to have an element of what's in it for me. <laughs> I think as the human element of this, there's always going to be a little bit of the what is in it for me. I don't know if we'll ever get to, wouldn't it be great that you should do it because your health matters, right? And that should be the main driver. But there is always that little bit of incentive that kind of gives that push for extra engagement. And we're seeing clients find ways and opportunities. And we've got some unique ways with incentives that isn't just cash-based. We're seeing a lot of our clients use give-back opportunities within our rewards platform that gives them the ability to take something that I've done through this platform, and now I can use it to give back. Some of those are connected to the company's own cause, or it's something that personally ties to them, something that's important to them. And I love that because I think about that engagement equation that we talk about, and we talk about building communities and building connections. We think about how are we engaging in the social responsibility of the community that we're serving and the people that we're connecting with. That to me is one of the more empowering things to me because there's even more and more variables coming into play in health and well-being inside that engagement equation. You can add DEI to that. You can add sense of belonging to that. Obviously, Chris, you talked about um, ensuring that safe work environment inside there, improving that collaboration amongst the different variables of employee experience, I think is where technology is being used for good. Jay, you're seeing a lot of collaboration amongst benefits, DEI, rewards and recognition and well-being kind of being that canopy. Yeah. Maybe talk about that when it comes to like facilitating that within the employee experience. Well, I think power of the evolution of where well-being has come from has allowed us to put an incentive to participants. And that incentive was always intended to drive healthy behaviors. Well, let's just expand the definition of healthy behaviors, right? So we've got the incentive mechanism in place. It's probably been there for a while and it can evolve and be whatever it wants. Let's evolve what that healthy behavior is. And so instead of just going to the doctor or doing your health risk assessment, now it's talking to a counselor or working with one of these benefit services or doing an employee engagement survey. Connecting working, to a mentor. Connecting to a mentor, connecting to the people that work with you. The opportunity of the well-being program is underutilized by too many people to broaden the scope of the program from just something very, very simple to know your numbers and give us some data to 
these are real opportunities to incentivize a participant to do something we want them to do that's going to align with the values of the organization and hopefully their own values. And that's where you, we talk about hyper-personalization to the individual member, but that comes back to the hyper-personalization to the company. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Like it's our culture, it's our brand, let's build it, let's connect all the dots, let's collaborate. And I think that's where that flexibility technology really comes into play and is advantageous for what we do. And one of the things that we do specifically at Navigate is we listen to our clients and we have think takes and even each one of our verticals. And so when we listen to them, we hear and how we can support them and their program and their stakeholders, which adds back to that hyper-personalization. So I think there's an evolution that's happening within health and well-being where this is my culture, this is our brand, this is our social responsibility, this is our community, this is our training, let's collaborate technology to use that for that employee experience. Yeah, and I think also too, kind of what we've seen from an evolution, even just with our client conversations is the fact that there are still groups that are out there that believe purchasing a well-being program solves all of these problems that we're talking about, right? And listen, we're a well-being company. We know that's not the case. It takes that collective cohesive strategy that all of the elements we're talking about, people first, people centric. Do I have the right benefits? Am I listening to what our employees are asking for so that we can provide the safe space? But again, just having a program that's got a walking challenge and talks about nutrition resources. I mean, the check the box yeah. days of well-being and a wellness platform doesn't fit the bill anymore. That's not a business strategy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. The cohesiveness of all of these things really brings the ability for a organization to say, we are living our mission and our values through this program and we're supporting you to be the best version of you. And that's one of the things I'm most proud about Navigate in that we have the capabilities, the people, the data to back us up to be that force for all kinds of different organizations. The organization that is mostly just checking the box to the organization that wants to be highly engaged, the people that want to focus on results-driven outcomes and clinical programming. You know, we've got the ability to spread a platform across any of those client types. And I'm proud of that because I don't know that everybody out there can go to that level. So we've heard hyper-personalization to the member, to the organization. We've talked about using data for good um, as a trend as well. Um, We've talked about building that community, that connection back for that employee experience, and then really looking at that proactive or preventive opportunity inside the clinical side to kind of, you know, deliver some, maybe some nuggets for the folks that are listening. Maybe give me one aspect in in your area that you're really focused on for 2024 to kind of be ready for that era of change and and what you're doing inside operations. Yeah. In the operation space and kind of our, our client approach, it's really a building upon in the continuation of using that data to have a strategic consultative approach with our clients, being able to proactively provide recommendations and strategies versus the, what can we do to support? Because again, like Jay mentioned, we can do a, a wide variety of things with our, with our groups, but to be able to understand and pinpoint clients in industries and be able to come to them with strategies that both from a tried and true, but what we're seeing is instrumental in, in being able to be a strategic partner with our clients moving forward. Love it. Christy, what are you thinking? Well, beginning with exactly what you said, but for our employees, I think is a huge priority for us as well to make sure we're always doing that, getting the voice of our employees, making sure we're responding to that and taking care of them. But a priority for us always as an organization is training and development, training and development for every employee, making sure we have dedicated resources and then Also making sure our leaders are trained also, because even what you were talking about before, there's a certain amount of dedication and integrity to take employee engagement, recruiting and retaining top talent, well-being, putting it all together and making it actually work. There are a lot of things you can just say, well, this is what we're doing. And then you don't touch it again. But when you really believe in it and you really believe in people-centered leadership, that's how you really move the needle. So that's our priority. Retention, right? On your side, you love retention. Sure. The consistency within, I think our clients like the consistency of working with the same people and seeing them rise up in their organization. And that comes back to the different things that we're trying to do inside. But I think other organizations obviously are doing too. So yes, recruiting number one, right? There's also that retention, that learning development of rising up and the priorities that we're seeing in 2024. You're starting to see that. Mm -hmm. Jay, what do you got? 
to me, it's an extension of what we've been talking. We've been talking about personalization, hyper-personalization. And for any of our well-being friends out there, the trickiest thing to do in the world of well-being is deal with claims files, is deal with that level of data for participants. Navigate's going to tackle that. Navigate's going to take that and turn our programs into something that can be even more personalized than they already have. I'm very excited about the opportunity to tackle that problem, which has been challenging people for a long time. And then the other side of the house to maybe the the flip side of that, we're going to take a look at our user experience. We're going to invest heavily into the participant experience and what they're doing in the program and how that platform is going to serve them, both from a personalization standpoint and just from a, a daily use standpoint. So I think there's a lot of exciting stuff for our clients coming up. There's some wonderful possibilities that are coming our way at Navigate, and it takes some people that believe in what we're doing and believe in in um, how we can really continue to engage people and do some good in particular verticals. You know, I love healthcare systems. It's a vertical that I'm vested in with a mom who's was in HR for 35 years. I see the health systems coming out of some three tough years. And there's some light at the end of the tunnel when it comes to the financial stability of our healthcare systems. We still got work to do, but I'm seeing more and more health systems take an active role in their community and in the businesses that are there and the employees in their community of really saying, how can we help? We saw them help within COVID. We saw them, you know, mobilize and, and really, you know, assist our communities. And I'm seeing now where, hey, we've done this once before. Now, how can we help even more when it comes to the community and the population health of our community? And I love seeing our health systems kind of have some little bit of a light at the end of the tunnel and being able to really put towards some strategies of engaging their population and really working with um, you know, direct to employer programming and things like that. So I really love that. I see that even expanding even more as we see more and more clinical interventions be focused on programming in 2024. So we think about that aggregate employee experience, being able to use technology, add to our culture, people coming back to work, understanding that physical space is important. How are we managing that? Looking at that social and that creating community and connections with people and giving them space to do that. For me, it's that ensuring a safe work environment, empowering employees to adapt. We're going to have to continue to adapt. Mm -hmm. I'd rather be a workspace or what we're going to have to empower folks to adapt. You know, enabling employees, continuing to enable employees to prioritize their well-being. And that's different for everybody, the multi-generations that we have. Providing interesting and purposeful work. Christy, you hit on this. And I think it's just such a great opportunity to use business for good Mm -hmm. and saying, like, how are we connecting all these dots? As we look at reducing friction of tasks, improve that employee experience to the degree where everything is under one roof. We continually say that where that vertical integration is even more important to improve that employee experience. When we think about supporting and building connections um, with colleagues around the organization, that's tough. It's going to continue to be tough as we hire multiple people this year and, and our clients are hiring multiple people. You're seeing where supporting and building connections with colleagues across our organization is just imperative. And then lastly, I would just say, continually fostering trust in an organization via the leaders and training and management of that continuous learning. Mm. That to me is where we can improve and collaborating that all underneath one technology as a look at Jay, like Jay, you're supposed to bring that all underneath one roof. I'm on it. For one login and one frictionless task opportunity. One day we will get there. Okay, best day ever. So as I mentioned, I'm vested in healthcare. I also like to wear vests. Thus. The best day ever segment. How's that, Jim? Um, like that, that was beautiful. That was. I just want you guys to know, Jim had a vest on prior to this, but he took it off. I didn't want to ruin your vest thunder. No. And your vest was a magical vest, though. Yeah. Yeah, you have a magical vest. A heated vest. Thank you, Bertina. When it comes to something good, when it comes to something that you've recently experienced or something you're looking forward to, end us on a high. Give us a, a good thing. James, go ahead. I'm going to go to one that's personal. It happened prior to the holidays, which was... A cool moment that I was able to have with my nine-year-old son, who during bedtime, we generally have a lot of stories that involve like adventure and like we're books that we're reading or, or fun things. And for some random reason, I just, I asked him a simple question. I thought it was a simple question. I said, if there was something that you'd like dad not to do or something that I should do less of, what would that be? 
then he kind of paused and he's like, well, nothing. And I said, not a single thing. There isn't one thing that you wish I did less of. And his answer like was just awesome. Um, one of those kind of proud dad moments, but also kind of a, a reminder, I think, for all of us. He's like, but dad, if I, if I took something away from you, that would make you less you. And I like you just the way you are. Oh, oh, man. Coop. oh my goodness. Cooper. Right. And so here I am <laughs> at nine o'clock at night, sitting in my son's bed, weeping. Yeah. yeah. You had waterfall. <laughs> um, Easily you had Giving waterfall. him a big hug and just saying, buddy, I love you. Yeah. Right. So that was just a cool moment to be able to have. But again, like I said, a, a cool moment for me personally, but a nice reminder, I think, for all of us of you're okay who you are. Yeah. And just as you, you belong. Are. Yeah. 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 So that's, that's my good. I should ask oh. you last. You should have. How do you follow that? <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm trying to see that one. Go ahead. <laughs> I got a fence. Yeah. <laughs> you got a fence? I got a fence. Yay. I'm excited about that. Yeah. That, that is a great thing when you have an animal. Yeah, go hug your fence. <laughs> it's fine. It'll be, it'll be great. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's fantastic. Oh. Little Cooper. I love it. Yeah. That's yeah. nice. Hey, follow that. Wise beyond yeah. his ears. That is really hard to follow, particularly because mine sounds a little selfish after that, <laughs> not sharing with anybody else. But uh, my greatest joy comes from time with my family and my friends. And because we're just rolling off the holiday season, I feel overjoyed now. Yeah. So I got to spend a lot of time with all my my most important people. So. Yeah, love it. Jay, what do you got? Got a fence. You got a fence. <laughs> no, I, as, as our loyal podcast listeners know, I just got a, a new puppy uh, late last year and we never had a fence in the backyard and we got him a fence and he loves it and just bowls around the area and we got him a ball to play with and he pounces on it and he loves it. And I'm just happy that he gets to experience that. He so space. Little, little things sometimes, yeah. the yeah. things that make you happy. You guys know I love our national summit. We put on a national summit for our clients every year. Last year in Bozeman, Montana, we always try to think of ways to do it better. Um, and our team continually does it year over year. We've been to Boulder. We've been to Napa. We've been to Nashville. We've been to Des Moines, Bozeman last year. Very excited to be able to announce where our national summit is for 2024. We're going to the great state of Texas. We're going to go to uh, San Antonio at uh, the La Cantera um, Resort there right north of San Antonio. And um, I'm looking forward to spending some more time with all my Texas friends. They've been good to us um, over the years. Uh, if you know a little bit of history about our company, we spent a lot of time in Texas um, in 2010, 2011. And so being able to go back to Texas and uh, go to La Cantera in San Antonio, I'm really excited about that. Navigate National Summit in Texas this year. So I'm pretty pumped up. I probably won't be wearing a vest. Hey. Um, but uh, I might break one out, you know, you know, early in the morning on a, on a uh, hike or something, but, um, thanks guys. As I mentioned earlier, navigate is an orchestra. It's not a solo act. We got a lot of good people doing good things. I'm excited about the future of navigate where we're headed for 2024, but also the future of well-being and how we're connecting people to what matters and, uh, just trying to continue to do good things for the people that we work with every single day in the communities that we serve. So on behalf of uh, all of us at Navigate, thank you all for what you do every single day in the HR space and, and making sure people feel cared for and taken care of. Thanks for all the good that you do every single day for others. Um, please continue to subscribe, continue to like, uh, continue to um, give us your feedback. We really appreciate it. And uh, we'll see you soon. <laughs>